Blog Talk Radio. During the pandemic, my lifestyle drastically changed. My income came to a screeching halt. You have to understand, I'm a hustler. I'm a legit entrepreneur. I sell things. I come in contact with people all the time. I have to stay safe. I didn't have a choice but to trust the vaccine. And if you live the type of lifestyle that I live, you out here in these streets and you hustling, an entrepreneur like me, why not do it safely? So I want everybody to take this seriously. Take a shot at staying healthy. Get the vaccine. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever and whenever you're tuning in from, my fellow Liberty lovers. This is Amber S. from Living with Freedom Ministries, reminding you to tune in on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific time, for the Living with Freedom show, where we'll embrace what living with freedom can look like physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and in everyday life. That's 2 p.m. Central, noon Pacific, here on Freedomizer Radio. We talk a lot about the kingdom here, and we talk a lot about what most churches are afraid to talk about or don't even know to talk about, which is what the first century church was really doing. But just talking about it is not enough. We encourage everybody to join us uh, in their local neighborhoods, in their local communities, to find out more about what they can do to seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness gather with others who are already starting this road or starting to turn around and do things differently. Join us on thelivingnetwork.org or at hisholychurch.org. Go to the network links or go to preparingyou.com. Join the network there. It's all the same. And we'll try to hook you up with people in your local area. They will not be perfect. They don't walk on water. They are not necessarily saints. But they are talking about seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And join us on Facebook. Facebook.com, His Holy Church, all one word. Join us there. We'll give you updates so you can start doing some studying and thinking about these things and start looking into these things for yourselves. But it's just not enough to sit and listen or to talk about or to say. You must become a doer of the word. Please check out the Barefoot is Legal radio show right here on Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern Time, that is 10.30 a.m. to noon Pacific Time, as we show you all about your barefoot rights and living a barefoot lifestyle. And for more information about the 501c3 nonprofit Barefoot is Legal, please check out barefootislegal.org. Okay, class, class, we want to talk about what we learned during the lockdown. The first question is, what did we learn during the quarantine, kids? Susie, that government overreach is real. What about you, Johnny? We went from home of the brave to home of the government slave. And you, Michael? We need to refresh the tree of liberty. What about you, Diane? So many sheep are willing to give up their rights because of a little fear. Very good, class. Hello to all you filth bags and something duckers that are looking for employment. We are hiring 87,000 new IRS agents. 
Are you able to knock on doors and demand to see people's tax returns? We need people who are willing to handle firearms. You need to be the government's new army. Your job will consist of number not grades of people who work as waitresses and did not report all their cash tips. Or maybe they had a yard sale and did not report income. You might need to shoot someone dead who is refusing to cooperate. Or you may have to deal with some childrens. That part is for me. You might need to enforce your will on people by any means necessary to force those 99% dolts and nincompoops to give over all their property to the 1%. If they say they voted for Trump, you kick them in the kumquats. Look, almost 75 million Americans voted for Trump. Another 12 million voted for other candidates. There is another 40 million that voted for Brandon and said something mean about him on Spybook. We need to teach those political enemies that we mean business as we turn America into a third world hellhole for all. If you vote Democrat we will be coming for you eventually, but for now we are starting our training and first order of work with bringing those right and center wing extremists to those FEMA camps that do not exist. So he wants to work for the IRS. Just go to their website and then we will put you in basic training. Once you prove to us you can handle a firearm and threaten Trump supporters hardcore enough, we will place you on those mean streets and help us confiscate property on all those fuss budgets that did not compete to perfect error-free annual taxation form. Good luck to all you applicants. And good luck all you adults and something that cares who will let us get away with it. Hello Freedomizers. I am Broccoli Man. When I am not fighting crime, I listen to the Proof Negative radio show. I am the Wire River. Not only do I forbid you to listen to Freedomizer radio and the Proof Negative radio show, I am going to demand you wear a mask and get your naked body scan. We need to protect the One World Government. You getting the real information hurts a crime syndicate. Do not listen to Proof Negative. You must now disrobe this instant so I can check your person for a constitutional cash money. Anyway, listen to Proof Negative on Freedomizer Radio. Weeknights 9 p.m. to midnight Eastern. 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific Time. Freedomizerradio.com Welcome to the Proof Negative Radio Show, right here on Freedomizerradio.com. Now sit back and enjoy the show.
Welcome back to another great night here on Freedomizer Radio. Of course, I'm your host, Proof Negative, the big kahuna here on Freedomizer, and I want to thank everybody so much for finding us today. Today is Tuesday, so we'll have Adrian joining us here momentarily, and if you have anything you want to share on the show tonight, the number here is 319-527-6208, and just press lucky number one. And I will make it a point to bring you into tonight's conversation. So with that, let's see what Adrian's up to. Hey, Proof. How's it going? How was your day? Um, I'm just exhausted, but that's okay. What's up with you? Hanging out. Made dinner about 30 minutes ago. Oh. So are we supposed to have a guest tonight? Yes, tonight I believe we will have Deborah and she should be joining us around nine forty five, I believe she said. So in about thirty minutes. Okay, and what does she do? And Deborah is a health and wellness advocate. She is very outspoken about regaining our um, health and reclaiming our health and our language. And she is also the owner of a business. She makes health freedom t-shirts. Okay. Some of her messages are health freedom is a basic human right. Um, 
she has a master mask on mask. Uh, I, I she'll probably tell about her newest design, but it was in regard to the mask, the scams. Mm-hmm. And I believe that she is a health coach as well. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out. Thank you for grabbing a guest. That's nice. Much appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So do you have anything you were working on today as far as stories go? Anything you were reading? There's obviously a ton of stuff to go over. Um. Not today. Oh, there, there's all kind of stuff to talk about today. We could do uh, the biggest thing in the news was that uh, the Congress is finally starting to look at the the impeachment of Brandon. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did see that a few hours ago. Um, I haven't really looked at anything today been in the middle of a move recently but um the discussion about the biden impeachment is that what you're referring to yeah it's it's about time so that means that the the committee that that was brought forth to investigate the crimes they finally get to do their jobs So I'm looking forward to that. I also want to bring a story up that I think everybody needs to know about here because in January of 2021, when Brandon took office, James Clapper went on the smell vision on the day of the inauguration and said that that he's looking forward to voting, uh, not voting, he's looking forward to going after every single person who did not support Brandon. And he gave a long list of the types of people he's looking for, and he said even libertarians. So if you voted for a third party or you voted for Trump, he does want to go after you. And nobody really thought anything of that. But now... They're starting to go after journalists who did nothing on January 6th. So you have from InfoWars, you have Owen Schroyer, who was there to cover the event and did not go. Everybody says he did not go in the Capitol building, but because he reported on the event and stated that he feels that Brandon illegally won the election and supports Trump, that his freedom of speech needs to be punished. So he's spending 60 days in prison. And they told him, too, that it's his freedom of speech is the reason why he's going to prison. That's like the exact opposite of why somebody should be in prison. He did not, he, it's not like he, Not that there was anything wrong with going between the velvet ropes and taking pictures like you're a tourist, but he didn't even go in the building. He wasn't anywhere close. He was not 
hooked up with any of those other people. He simply reported on his radio show that he does not feel as though the election was handled fairly. And now he pays the price for that. So what's next? If uh, if we don't agree not with the way America. that steals the election in 2024, that all of us journalists get arrested? The America proof. It's... Uh... They don't care. And the thing is, is that you still have a large swath of the population that doesn't get it. Granted, there's less each and every week because once you once you wake up, you're not going back to sleep. But at this time next year, do we feel confident that there's going to be enough people that could withstand the voter fraud? And the answer is, I don't know. I did see that the the World Economic Forum meeting, the theme is going to be cooperation in a fragmented world. I don't know if you saw anything about that in any recent Uh, Not today, but I know know the theme where where they they teach their people how to how to be leaders in an angrier world. They'll be discussing the sustainable development goals. Right. So it's, I, I'm not shutting recently, up, though. Have you recently went through the 17 Sustainable Development Goals? Uh, no, not really. Should we tell listeners what they are? Oh, have fun. I think there's some very interesting ones on here, you know, because you would think like sustainable development, it's about environmental topics. It's just environmental topics, but that is not the case. You have uh, some interesting things on here that I guess will lead to sustainable development. Um, Number one, no poverty. Number two, zero hunger. Three, good health and well-being. Four, quality education. Five, gender equality. Six, clean water and sanitation. There we go. There's an environmental issue. Um, Number seven, affordable and clean energy. Number eight, decent work and economic growth. Nine, industry, innovation, and infrastructure. 10, reduced inequalities. 11, sustainable cities and communities. 12, responsible consumption and production. 13, climate action. 14, life below water. 15, life on land. 16, peace, justice, and strong institutions. 
17 partnerships for the goals. So that's the 17 sustainable development goals. And that is also what the World Economic Forum is going to be talking about in 2023. So speaking of economic forum and, and all this sustainable stuff, I guess this uh, this fits. Did you see that uh, McGMO is planning to get rid of all their self-serve soda fountains? Not that I drink soda, but still. Uh, they're either going to stop giving refills or they'll probably charge for it. Where is it at? McGMO. Oh, McDonald's. That's uh, that, that's, no, that's coming up here. About that. I cannot remember the last time that I ate McDonald's. So I have that's not heard about the that. Point, is that a real thing? Are they doing that actually? Well, they're, they're they're getting rid of the soda fountains. Not that I drink soda, but I I'm just saying that uh, it's going to get to a point where they're going to start charging for refills, or they're going to or they're going to make or they're not going to let you have refills. Remember in New York City a bunch of years ago when Mayor Doomberg tried to sell those assault sodas sodas that were larger than 16 ounces. He tried to ban that. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember hearing anything about that. Yeah, a few years ago, the mayor, Doomberg, uh, he was trying to really enact some crazy stuff. Like he tried to ban restaurants from using salt and having salt on tables. He, uh, he banned any, any restaurant selling a soda larger than 16 ounces that was going to be illegal. But at the last minute, uh, he was told it was unconstitutional to do that. So you could buy two 16-ounce sodas, but you would not be allowed to buy a 20-ounce soda. Oh, was that around? 2015 or 16? Yes. Yes, I do recall that. Yeah, so we called them assault sodas. Assault sodas. Just like how they have assault weapons, but they can't determine what an assault weapon is. You know, somebody was telling me something that soda had in it. I think it was Coca-Cola or something that it actually has an ingredient in it that, like, keeps you from getting sick when you drink the soft drink. And I can't remember what they said it was called. I don't know if you heard anything about that. but, but that No, was- I, I don't know anything about that, but I know that tonic water has quercetin in it. Uh, that I know. It has what in it? You said it has what in it? Tonic water has quercetin, which helps fight COVID. Hmm. So if you get sick, if you get the uh, if you get COVID, then you could drink uh, you could drink uh, tonic water and take zinc, and you should be fine. 
It's much better than getting a gene therapy. The Human Genome Project, I'm sure you've heard about that one. No, I have not, actually. Oh, really? Um, very interesting. The Human Genome Project, um, I think it took them several years to do. It was an international scientific research project uh, that was essentially serving the purpose of sequencing all of the genes in the human genome, functional in a physical standpoint. And I do believe that it lasted several years. But it was an international project. Who funded it? You know, I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna check and see and see how many years it was. I think that it took a couple of years. Let's see here, okay. All right. So the dates were 1990 to 2003. Very interesting. So about 13 years. And the lead scientist was Francis S. Collins. And I guess the larger goal was to decipher the chemical sequence of the complete human genetic material, so the entire human genome, and identify all 50,000 to 100,000 genes contained within the genome and provide research tools to analyze all of this genetic information. It no, says that it was says it was stopped for sequencing DNA because at that time the sequencing was not up to task. It looks like it was funded yeah, it looks like it was funded by the Department of Energy and the National Institutes of Health. And they created also in 1988 the Office for Human Genome Research, which was later renamed the National Center for Human Genome Research in 1990. And then in 1997, renamed the National Human Genome Research Institute. But it received funding through annual congressional funds as well, I guess. It says that it was also funded, it was funded by the Department of Energy. This is actually on the departmentofenergy.gov under genomics. They have, I guess, the Department of Energy has a genomics section. It says the initiative in funding it through the Department of Energy was to get a better understanding of the genetic effects of radiation exposure.
No, I never heard of it. That's one of the most interesting things that I found within the science community and, like, the government topics, because that was an international project, and I thought that was very interesting that that was done and that it took a, you know, such a large, like, over a decade of research done on it. Yeah, I wish I knew something about it, but I don't. Sorry, I'm a total buzzkill on that. It's all good. Do you know who funded the uh, gene therapy? Um, well, you can tell the me. Obvious people, the obvious people that we know of. The, you know, any smaller players? Not really. If you want to share, go ahead. Oh, I actually don't know, and I was uh, oh. wondering if you knew. Well, maybe our maybe you can ask your your guest if uh, if you like. Deborah should be joining us soon. All right, so we we have enough time before the guest. Uh, we can go ahead and get Broccoli Man out of the way. Yeah, let's go ahead and have at it. So in this one, it's uh, it's a debate format, and you'll see a lot of the players I use in there uh, for the cartoon. So when you're ready, we'll play it, and then by then, your guest will probably be ready to come on. Yep. Let me know when ready you're ready to go. You yeah, good to go whenever okay. you are. All right, sounds good. So we'll do it. So uh, I'll count down. Three, two, one, action. Hello again, everyone. We have another great debate here tonight regarding a bunch of topics in the news. This debate is sponsored tonight by Liza Mafia Dickles. We have created a new COVID variant. So please rush out to your local China Mart and get your new gene therapy. Remember if anyone dumbass asks you if they are safe and effective, you tell them it is the safest gene therapy ever. That is why the inserts are always blank. Tonight we will feature the completely wrong view that is taught by babies who are not liberal. I am not sure. We have the liberals who always consider the correct point of view. You're loving and liberal. <laughs> Why am I the only black person on this something dugger? And we are lucky today to have with us the CEO of Liza Farm Mafia Dickles. He is also selling the Lysenica suicide pods. Eventually all of the 99% of us will die. So why not choose to die right now in one of the Lysenica suicide pods? Anyway, we have Mr. G. Lobbyist. 
Don't worry, I hate you all and I will reduce the carbon by starting you removing your pathetic souls from this earth first. G-Libel is just generous enough to offer everyone a discount on your gene therapies if you order right now using promo code NOLIABILITY. Don't forget to get your eyes and Freedom microchip so you can have everything you do monitored and recorded at all times. It is the absolute best way to keep you safe. I love my Freedom microchip. Our first topic tonight, what do you about the fake news that we are bringing back all the COVID mandates? There is rumor that we are selling the false rumor that there are going to be new gene therapy requirements, wearing scams, and lockdowns again. Broccoli man, you can go first since you are wrong. Well, actually. A yacht says what? No being a yacht, I would not know. But all the globalists who need to be arrested for killing the 99% say, huh? <laughs> anyway, back to our question for the liberals. Do we need to start wearing scams again? Absolutely. I never stopped wearing my scam. It saves us from global warming. Wearing scams is the absolute best way to stop COVID. It also tells everyone that you are a Democrat. If you are not wearing a scam in public, it means that you are a dumb Republican. And racist. Don't forget racist and against gay people and women. What about when you flip the box off scams over it? It says the following, this scam does not protect at all whatsoever from COVID. Plus all the other studies that even fake news has said that scams do not work. But you are very misinformed. It absolutely works. Scams work for mind control. The more we force people to wear scams, the more we can sell our gene therapies. We need to promote the fear. We need those 99% useless pieces of trash to cover their nasty faces and go get blood clots and myocardic ties by getting these gene therapies and die. I hate you all and want you to die. Exactly, g -libelist. Excellent point. We all have to wear our scams and go get those gene therapies. Next question. Is it a good idea to ban all kitchen appliances and heating and cooling homes to stop global warming? Liberals, you go first. If you ban everyone from having kitchens, that does not affect me. I only eat plant-based and only eat raw food. I stopped taking showers because I do not want Earth's temperature to go up 1.3 degrees in 2,000 years. Huh? Our campus at Southern Hampshire Institute in Technology took out our ceiling fans, heaters, and air conditioners. They took out our microwaves this semester. But if it means we have to give up our comforts to make sure Donald Trump is not president, then I support it. SHIT is one of the best liberal schools ever. I'm ready to eat sucks and also nothing just like Geolobulus says. We just need a great new president like Michael Robinson Obama. Michael Robinson Obama is a very nice lady. Martha, if we can get these useless eaters to wear scams, they will shut up their yaps and stop wasting precious carbon. 
We need to severely limit the amount of carbon they use until we can create a device that can turn carbon dioxide into air we can breathe. Until we can do so, we need to euthanize all you something that cares. We already have those devices all over the earth. They are called trees. Why is this flea bag allowed to talk on this show? Why is it we cannot just have a picture of him instead so we do not have to hear him eight things against our narrative? I need to go over there and put my fists against his thick skull. You try it. I never had one gene therapy so my health is still at full strength. That is not cool. He is a voice. I got only one of my gene therapies and had 58 blood clots and 32 heart attacks. And I still get my gene therapies. Okay, let's get our third question out. Would you support Robert F. Kennedy Jr. for president? Is Brandon too old? Absolutely not. He is Walter Trump. He is against gene therapies and is against the Ukraine war. Robert Kennedy was secretly a Republican. He is against our freedoms to make sure everyone gets gene therapies. Thames is not black. We need Michael Robertson Obama. He is the only black candidate. Larry Elder and Tim Scott are both black. Why not look at their platforms? But they are not black like us. They are Republicans. <laughs> I hope Democrats are black. That's not how it works. You need to shut up the face. You need to stop sharing fake news and promoting the freedom life. I wish Brandon would indict you for a crime so you would not be able to stop these crimes that take place. We need to defend the police and stop arresting people for things like murder and car thefts. In California, black people are no longer going to be as arrested as long as they vote Democrat. Governor Gruesome knows what's up. He is way strict on crime. That is why so many people are leaving California. Republican voters hate how strict and law-abiding he is in shutting down crime. Please tell us about the crime rate in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Stores and cities are shutting down and moving because of too much crime. People do drugs and crap in the streets. Employees are too scared to go to work because they are mugged in the parking lot. If someone gets mugged going into work, that does not affect me. I do not work. It's typing for being black. Also, we get typings for being trans. Please explain how you are productive to society. Just by sitting home and being a trans person. We do not care. Martha, can we please end this so I can shoot my gun at Mr. Broccoli? He does too much to hurt our crime syndicate. We are doing our best to remove these 99% vaginal yeast infections from this earth. He is thwarting our efforts to get Earth population to under 500 million. Okay, that is our cue that our debate is over tonight. Please check out Proof Negative Weeknights on freedomizerradio.com. I would rather glue my cup cross to the freeway until we get gas power cars off the road. I would also go with Mike to glue my kumquats to the freeway. We need to fight climate change and Elon Musk. Please get your gene therapies and freedom microchips. 
Liza Nicola also wants you to get the suicide pods. Good night, everyone. All right, so that was this week's episode. Are you back with us, Adrian? Yeah, yes. Yes. Okay. If you don't wear a mask, then, you know, you're a Republican. Yeah, that's what they try to tell you. And uh, and then your your skin color magically changes if you vote Democrat. So Robert F. Kennedy is strongly considering voting or not voting, but joining a third party because he sees that the Democrat Party even if he gets the votes, they will not let him be the nominee, and they've told him that. So if he goes over to, let's just say, the Green Party or or one of the other parties, will he take away enough votes from the Democrats? And I don't know the answer to that. Uh, is there a buzz from what you hear with Robert F. Kennedy with the younger crowd? You know, um, I see more people in the natural health movement, at least, more supportive of him than critical, you know, than there's always kind of been for the past couple years that inner debate on is Robert or is Dr. Shiva controlled opposition? That's been a very common debate in the natural health wellness movement. I'm not sure if you're tracking on that. Yeah, I don't use those buzzwords. I, I've had people tell me that I'm COINTELPRO and I'm a Russian agent and I'm I, and I get paid by Russia, which if I did get paid by Russia, I, I wouldn't work a day job that sucks the life out of me. What's I don't get your day paid job? by anybody. Repeat that? Yeah, proof. What is your day job? I answer phones for a bank. I work at home. Not oh, very yeah. exciting, so but it's, uh, it's 50,000 a year, so it's okay. What's that? Go ahead. You got a... Oh, uh, what was that, Proof? I said it's 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 tedious and boring, but it's fifty thousand a year, so it's fine. Well, we deal with a lot of different personalities on there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's. I mean, it's a job. I've worked harder for less money before in my life, but. Obviously, I'd rather have my time and be able to really fully develop the radio show back to what it was before, but I don't have that luxury. What was it like before? Oh, um, we've had pockets where the phones would be lit up the entire show. Uh, We'd have 
maybe 50 to 100,000 listens in the audience, um, there, there'd be no moment where where we would have silence and, and be bored. And we, we made okay money. Did that start we to go those, We haven't had those during days the in a pandemic? few years, but they did happen. Was it uh, like during the pandemic that just kind of, or did it kind of get bigger during the pandemic? Oh, it was, uh, it was way before the pandemic in the middle of last decade. I don't want to get into what happened too much right this second. I'm not really motivated to do that, but we, we've had some issues. Just going to check on our guest here and see okay. kind of a time update. Yeah, if you needed to call out or text, I could just uh, – I could take a quick time out, I suppose, if I need to. Yeah, let me go ahead and uh, I'll play a couple of, of promos here. That's right. The Jokers and Jesters Comedy Tour is back on the road. We are currently promoting our second Amazon Prime special, Jokers and Jesters, the next special. We will be touring small towns across this great country of ours. So for our tour date, follow us on Facebook at Jokers and Jester Comedy Tour or at our website, jokersandjester.com. It's a great night of music, laughter, and magic. Don't miss us as we come to a small town near you. following message is sponsored by Truth. Are you or someone you know suffering from shapeism? Shapeism is a debilitating disorder which affects a person's entire worldview and is characterized by ignorance, denial, abandonment of basic morals and values. An unwillingness to think critically about things read or heard by mainstream media is a strong sign that you have been affected. Fortunately, shapeism is treatable in many cases. Treatment may include, but is not limited to, training to help the patient understand that truth is being intentionally withheld, help in understanding that assumptions and speculations do not qualify as evidence for truth. Living with shapeism is frustrating. Thankfully, there's hope for those suffering this debilitating condition. If you or someone you know is dealing with shapeism, please contact your local truth movement for treatment. They're standing by to help you now, and remember, you're not alone. Side effects of treatment may or may not include shortness of breath, migraines, anaphylactic shock, and a worse scenario heart attack. See your support specialist for details. Hello everyone. I am Broccoli Man. At night I fight for organic GMO free food. During the day I fight crime against child trafficking. Please watch my story on Rumble.com. Just look up Broccoli Man and you can see my regular run-ins and follies with G-Lobalist, The Wiretap, The Millennials, and everyone else I run into. I fight communists and very pro-free speech. Just check me out. Broccoli Man. On Rumble.com. Here I am back in January of last year. I just couldn't keep the weight off no matter how many different exercise programs I tried. Now I'm down to my ideal weight. 
and it's never been easier. All I had to do was vote flu, no matter who. Every time I went to the grocery store, I was with so many different options to choose from. But now, now I'm lucky if I can even fill my basket I used to be really unhealthy, never got that much exercise. But now that I can't afford to put gas in my car, I have to walk to work. And as a added bonus, I don't have to worry about being carjacked anymore. So you can ditch Tybo and start saying Tybo. Come on, man. Right, so we made it back. So, uh, Adrian, you're still here? Yeah, I'm here, and our guest should be here in about 10 minutes. Okay, that's cool. So, uh, if you have anything you want to share, it's your turn. Movement that we're seeing, like, that is pretty important to bridge the gap personally you know like sometimes I you know in the past I've watched presidential debates and like kind of get a little I mean it is really funny but get a little embarrassed for our country you know like these are the goons that are leading our country you know they're acting like clowns on the tv and I think that one of the best ways we could probably do that is focusing on solution sustainable actual sustainable solutions um, such as soil regeneration or permaculture. I'm sure you're familiar with permaculture. Right. Are you familiar with permaculture, Prue? Uh, I, I understand it. I, 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 not that I could talk intelligently on it, but I, I, I understand the concept. Yeah, I think that... Um, spreading more awareness about permaculture and then working within our communities um, to like maybe work with people that we don't agree with politically on actual environmental solutions that don't involve taxing people. Permaculture well, that's all the Democrats into, have is that they, they somehow if if they can raise 108 trillion dollars then they can have enough money to pay for the sun's temperature to go down a couple degrees. Yeah, I think there's a very large uh, split in the stances, obviously, with, you know, quote, climate change, quote, man-made climate change, you know, all this yeah, stuff. I don't buy any of that. And uh, I think that a lot of people need to know about the procession of the earth, like that what we're seeing with floods to an extent is a natural phenomenon that happens every 26,000 years because of the way that the earth tilts itself on its axis. And, you know, I'm not a professional, uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about space and stuff, but the procession of the earth is a thing that occurs every 26,000 years. And we're kind of at that point where it does make sense that things would heat up a little bit naturally. I do think that humans obviously cause environmental damage to an extent but i don't really buy into the us breathing air and you know our personal cars necessarily being the main issue you know i'd focus more on cruises dumping in the oceans like private jets things like that it's not so much us of course we throw our trash down and things like that
I did have something, if we have time, which I think we do. I, I don't know if you follow John Kennedy much, the senator. Not recently, no. So he was reading from a, a porn book uh, that's in the kids' library in his, uh, in his local school, and, uh, and people get arrested for reading uh, at school board meetings. So he just sits there and starts reading it right in the middle of the Senate, in a Senate hearing. So I want to I want to go ahead and play this. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I, I confess I'm a little confused, and I appreciate the argument that that we've or discussion that we've been having. But for me, it's a little too conceptual, or I don't know, metaphysical or theological or whatever you want to call it. I want to try to understand what you're asking us to do. Let's take two books that have been much discussed. Um, The first one is called All Boys Aren't Blue, and I will quote from it. I put some lube on and got him on his knees, and I began to slide into him from behind. I pulled out of him and kissed him while he masturbated. He asked me to turn over while he slipped a condom on himself. This was my ass, and I was struggling to imagine someone inside He got on top and slowly inserted himself into me. It was the worst pain I think I have ever felt in my life. Eventually, I felt a mix of pleasure with the pain. Close quote. All boys aren't blue. The second is another much discussed book. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's called Genderqueer. Let me read an excerpt from that. Quote, I got a new strap-on harness today. I can't wait to put it on you. It will fit my favorite dildo perfectly. You're going to look so hot. I can't wait to have your cock in my mouth. I'm going to give you the blowjob of your life. Then I want you inside of me. End quote. Mr. Secretary, what are you asking us to do? Are you suggesting that only librarians should decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available to kids? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Tell me what you're saying. Well, first of all, there's this... Don't give me a speech. Tell me what you're asking me to do. With all due respect, Senator, the words you spoke are disturbing, especially coming out of your mouth is very disturbing. But what I would also tell you that we're not advocating for kids to read porn, to Senator Booker's point. What are you advocating for? We are advocating for parents, random parents, not to have the ability under the guise of keeping kids safe 
to try and challenge the world view of every single manner on these issues. You're getting conceptual game. I'm what not getting conceptual. Well, I'm yes, saying that you are. Yes, you are. Because you, you, I want to know what you're recommending. It sounds to me like what some of you are saying the librarians should decide who gets to see that book. I'm saying when you're making, when individual parents are allowed to make a decision of what, where that line is and to kill a mockingbird, which involves a rape scene, should that book be pulled from our libraries? I think it becomes a slippery well, slope. I think you ought to think about it a little bit more before you come here. I've thought about If Senator you're going to propose something, you ought to be able in 30 seconds to be able to explain what Senator you're asking us to do. Ms. Kelly, what do you understand? Well, let me skip you for a second. Mr. Um, Cameron, tell me what you're you're proposing. It's pronounced mix. Um, mix. Is that how, you, how would you like me to refer to you, Senator? Your definition of sexual is synonymous with LGBTQ identity. Library. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you to tell me. You read those two excerpts. Gender Do queer. Do you think that? Are you asking that only librarians and not parents have any say? and whether minors can read those books. Is that what you're saying? Genderqueer has never been in my school library, so it's never been banned. Well, suppose it was. Should it be up just to the librarian, or should parents have a say? There should be facilitation of collaboration between students and Should parents, parents have and a say? Parents should be working with students and educators to okay. be making decisions because right. students right. are... And who decides ultimately, the librarian, or do you take a vote, or who takes the vote? Book review committees in the community in my school district. You want a committee to decide? There are committees. Okay. Well, I'm asking you, how do we decide whether the two books that I just referenced should be available in the library? What, what would you, if you, were, if you were running things, what would you do? All Boys Aren't Blue, the scene you mentioned, is about sexual abuse. I know what it's about. It's not What erotic. would you do in terms of making the books available? Would you say anybody can see them, or they have to be in a special session? Students who do not read books like All Boys Aren't Blue cannot learn what is appropriate. I understand that. They cannot learn I understand, but none of you abuse. want to answer my question. You come here and you say censorship is bad, and of course it's bad. But the obvious response is, okay, you heard the books we're talking about. Okay, we're not talking about Catcher in the Rye. So tell me what you want, who gets to decide. And all I've heard is the librarians. And parents have nothing to do with it. And if that's your response, what planet did you just parachute in from? Parents, Senator. Or what country, more appropriately? This is not China. Parents, Senator, with all due respect, parents absolutely have a say. My parents were immigrants, came to this country. We never checked out books without our parents seeing what, what books we were reading. They encouraged us to Mr. read books. Mr. Secretary, I understand this is good for your politics back home. It's got nothing to do with my I'm politics. Not, my bill is passed. Of course it does. It every, has everything to do with your I'm politics. Here, I'm here to... But you came here with a problem, and I'm trying to understand the solution, and you don't have one. We solved the solution. Other than, we solved other the than, solution other in than to tell us that if we don't agree with you, you're on the wrong, we'll be on the wrong side of history. We solved the problem in Illinois. We fixed it. Because we uh, well, there are others you make... could work on. Well, that's why I, I'm, I'm out here of to help. Time. Thank I'm you, Mr. Help, Chairman. To help other states make these decisions. Yeah, liberals gonna liberal, and they they don't see anything this, wrong with. At this point, there are no senators. Oh. So anyway.
they don't the liberals don't see anything wrong with that and they're mad that he's complaining the, that's, that's all i heard sick. was i wrong no that was freaking sick that's beyond extremely disturbing that was in a middle school or a high school that's in a lot of schools across the u.s that gender queer book uh elementary school kids have been reading that you know a it gets to a point where there, there's been people that have taken checked the book out of the school library brought it to the school board and asked the school board about the book and the parent gets arrested for showing porn in the school in the school board meeting but it's okay for a seven-year-old to read it wow that's disgusting you know uh our guests will be dialing in in just a moment i do want to mention that down at a high school uh sophomores in uh fort lauderdale a, a school down there i can't recall the school's name but it's confirmed uh a friend's younger sibling a sophomore they were being forced to read um books on gender mm-hmm. fluidity fluidity and uh they were being forced to say they them in the classroom um when a student asked a question on the character in the book they called the character a she and the teacher went at and the student had to correct herself and say oh i mean they them and it's just ridiculous it's sick that's that's what we're fighting against and you have people that are like yeah Republicans want to ban books without asking what what books we don't want kids to see. But they want to ban us. I bet you that they wouldn't let a Robert Kennedy book get in there. They wouldn't dare let a Republican go talk. Remember they remember how many how many speeches They've uh, they've banned Republicans and, and non uh, non liberals from speaking because they uh, they're not a Democrat. But that's uh, yeah that that's not taking away free speech. We have journalists right. getting arrested right. for for free speech. Hey, Proof, I think our guest is here. Yeah. Hey, Deborah, are you on here with us? Well, hold hey, on. Bring I'm her here. Uh, tell, tell everybody about her first. Uh, go ahead and give her a proper intro. Yes. So this is Deborah Williams, and she is a health coach, and she has a business called MindBodyBlend.com. She educates people on health and wellness topics. And she makes T-shirts that are pro-liberty and health-focused. I actually bought two shirts from her with the same message because I loved it so much. And that message was, health freedom is a basic human right. I got it in a tank and in a crop top. Deborah, do you want to tell us about your business? Yeah, I um I didn't know when to cut in there, so <laughs> I appreciate the intro. Um, yeah, I definitely I, I I was actually gonna ask you that question is which which ones did you have? I remember the 
the event that you would come to and, and grab those from now. Um, but yeah, that's definitely something that I started doing just kind of as a, as a fun thing back in 2020 with t-shirts, um, which was really just kind of a tool to be used back whenever, you know, we really had to rally and get together and, and, you know, come together to support each other in fighting for our freedom. And, and mainly it was, you know, for me in the area specifically of our children and going back to school and having to deal with all of the mandates and the fear conditioning that was, you know, basically pushed upon the children. And there was absolutely no way that I was going to send my kids to school with that going on. So that's really where the conversation started. And, you know, I remember the first T-shirt that I made. It was for our crew of parents. Um, We actually started a group called Parent Advocates for Student Health Freedom. And that was just to kind of, you know, gather up and go to school board meetings and fight against and speak up against what the, you know, the school boards were trying to do. And um, T-shirt that I made was Unmask Our Children. And it was very much like a solidarity, you know, among parents. It's like, okay, we're doing these T-shirts. We're going to wear them not just to the school board meetings, but we're going to wear them all over the place. We're going to wear them when we're out running our errands, going to the grocery store, and we're not wearing masks. You know, there were this was like armor <laughs> back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely, it's de- definitely interesting, you know, the way that I look at the shirts because of the messages that are on the shirts and how they kind of served as tools to start conversations. And I think at the beginning it was more about courage, right? It was about, okay, that, that was most, that was most people's struggle back then whenever I spoke with folks, that was the issue was, you know, people were afraid. They were afraid. Yeah. So let me uh, jump in here because you you don't know much uh, about me, I suppose, but, Back in 2020, before the scams even started, uh, I I saw that we would be in a situation where they would start forcing everybody to wear scams. So I started Bare Faces Legal. And we had 38,700 members at one point on Facebook, and then we got shut down for misinformation, and we ended up being on the front page of the USA Today. Because oh, wow. uh, we had a large group awesome. that just got shut down. Bare face is legal. I remember hearing about that. Yeah. That's awesome. We actually had, you know, what's funny, we had a one of the first meetings that we went to, the, one of the first school board meetings we went to, um, you know, we would stand out with our signs. And one of the women had a sign that said, bare face is legal. I actually have a picture. Really? <laughs> I want to see that. I'll send it to you if you give me your info, yeah. Are you on Spybook? Because yep. uh, Adrian can hook us up. I am not. Yes. I am not. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, he means Facebook. Oh, yes. I thought you actually meant there's another 
platform because I'm like, okay, no, 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 no. I don't know. <laughs> There's too many platforms. Yes. Well, I, I started Airface yeah. as legal, not, not just because I, I uh, saw that they would be forcing scams, but I run a, a legit 501c3 nonprofit named Barefoot is Legal. So it's the same concept, just a different part of the body. Yeah. And so yeah, I thought yeah. it would be okay. an easy transition. That's amazing. I love that. I want to hear more about that. Um, well, we're here for you, so maybe later on uh, we'll, we'll get back into yeah, that. Yeah, Definitely at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. Deborah, talk to us about your uh, your wellness coaching, your health and wellness education that you do. Yeah, so that's actually, you know, my perspective comes from my history in the field of health and wellness. And so whenever everything went down in 2020, I had a very, um, you know, strong intuition based on the fact that the you know, so-called health regulations that were coming out didn't actually line up with health and what real health was and where it came from, you know, in a holistic primal sense, you know. I mean, you can look at what they're doing now to health and really see that it's become just completely industrialized, right? And it's become, looking at the medical industry, looking at the pharmaceutical industry, it's become just another way to create customers for life, right? So, you know, my history goes back probably about, I would say, 13 years or 14 years now, actually, that I've been in health and wellness. Specifically, um, I started out working at a hospital in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which is where I'm from originally before we moved down to Florida about seven years ago, going on eight. And I worked inside of Children's Hospital of Pittsburgh for about six years in the employee health and wellness um, sector there. So my job was basically to educate doctors nurses, employee staff, um, you know, administrative staff, um, basically in how to take better care of themselves, right? So this is like, this is the most, uh, it's, it's definitely one of those things where this is not perspective that everyone has, because we, we, in this country, in this society, we are raised up to kind of look at the doctor as the authority and as the person who knows what is best for you when it comes to your health. But that's actually kind of been, you know, that's, that's, that's industry. That's been something that has actually been hijacked from us. And I'm going to kind of probably go down a rabbit hole here, but you know, that's health is ours. That's our responsibility. That's our own responsibility. Yes. That's something that's been taken from us by industry. And it's been put into the hands of doctors. But what I was able to see through my perspective was that most of these doctors and nurses actually know how to take care of themselves. So when it comes to caring for other people, 
the only training provided to them in this medical education or indoctrination, as, you know, I like to call it, is this is a, you know, a very invasive and pharmaceutical approach. And you're not actually teaching people to take care of themselves. This is being taken away from them. And we're, we're telling people, you don't know what's best for you. You don't know how to take care of yourself. And so you need to trust the doctors. You need to trust the, the quote-unquote science with the dollar sign, you know? Um, so this is really what I, this is my, my foundation and where I teach from is that perspective and kind of giving people back their power and reminding them of their power and their responsibility and taking ownership for their own health, which that in itself is extremely dangerous and a threat to the system, the so-called healthcare system, which is really a sick care system, as we know, you know? Would you guys yeah, agree? With- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've got to I don't know if- our language back. It's very important. Yeah, I definitely, I don't want to like, talk talk like talk too much you know I'm definitely here to share but um I I don't want to you know go off on 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 any tangents if you guys guys have any more questions or anything specific you want to hear about feel free to talk about whatever you want to talk about we are here for Deborah Williams right now you're our guest so anything you want to share feel free all right well I guess I'll kind of keep going from that point um you know I would say just kind of fast forwarding to 2020, you know, proof, as you said, you kind of knew what was going on. I also knew right away what was going on when they tried to do the, you know, two weeks to slow the spread. Um, Immediately red flag started going. That was a lie. Yeah, The the second I lost my day job of 15 years, that uh, over this, that, that that's when I knew that something was up. Oh yeah, yep, yep. So what? I'm I'm curious if you can briefly tell me what was your day job at that point of 15 years? Oh, I worked for a time scare company, so I, I worked behind okay. the scenes. I didn't talk to anybody, but I was there 15 years, and they decided that uh, I worked uh, in my department. They really couldn't need me anymore because. All the all the work was uh, if everybody worked from home, my position was not a work at home position, so they just eliminated my job. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely alarming. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, for me, um, in 2020, I was working for a supplement company. And as we all know, looking at the supplement world, you know, this is supposed to be, these are, this is supposed to be a way for us to naturally empower our bodies to be healthier and stronger, right? And um, I started finding out very quickly, you know, within the first few months that the company that I was working for was extremely 
far less. And, you know, obviously in that. Um, what company was, was that, Deborah? Um, it was Vibrant Health. So this company, um, at that point, you know, I really loved, I did love working for them. I really did. And I got to do a lot of, you know, educating people in nutrition and better lifestyle choices. And I was really passionate about doing that. And I, um, I loved my job, you know, but what, what I found out very quickly was that, um, you know, the politics were being put above the actual came out really, really blatantly whenever in June all the George Floyd stuff started going on and then the black squares started going up on social media and they had put one up on their social media and I was like, oh gosh, okay, I'm I'm starting to see kind of like where they're coming from here and um the company is located up in like academia central, like, you know, the new England area. And so I kind of started to put the pieces together. And then basically at that point I had started to just speak up more vocally on social media about, um, you know, everything that just all all the red flags that I was noticing and, and all obviously whatever the mask mandate started to be discussed and really, you know, circulated about schools. Um, that this was going to be happening in schools. And so I had started to speak up about this in our community and very, very vocal. And so at one point, uh, uh, an individual from one of the groups that I had part of, and I was kind of speaking up on this, the person was very threatened and they went to my page and saw the company that I worked for and they went ahead and like, emailed the company and they said, you know, this is your employee. They are, you know, speaking recklessly and dangerously and you know, because I was simply speaking about the inefficacy of masks and, you know, just speaking on basic natural health. And um at that time, you know, we, we know how impactful, you know, the fear was on people and how it just really caused them to go into these states of just cognitive dissonance and kind of, you know, I, I guess uh, it was just kind of craziness. You know what I mean? I think a lot of people really like quite literally lost their minds. You know what I mean? Because they, they just kind of lost basic logic and basic critical thinking skills. And so, um, what? Oh, I said yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I know, I know you both. You know, everyone listening can can probably you know think of several instances where you've had conversations with people, and you're like, what? What's happened to your brain? <laughs> you know. So, um, and the funny thing is that I actually had. Um, I, I mean, all all these things over this process, like I've I've actually kind of like made T-shirts with like sayings. And, you know, things, uh, I guess, seeds to plant, right? Um, and I, I made one not too, too long ago uh, about critical thinking. And it says, you know, critical thinking, um, oh, gosh, what is it? It's not right in front of me right here. I'll have to look it up. Critical thinking, it has a bear on it. It's super cute. Um, 
something about extinct. I'll tell you in just a second here. But, you know, we all, we all basically at that point, you know, we were, we were dealing with, if you knew and if you had, you know, a clue of what was going on, you know, you, you kind of experienced the same thing from other people, you know? So, um, but yeah, basically at that point, you know, I was, I was doxxed by a woman on Facebook that I didn't even know and she emailed the company that I worked for and, you know, um, she basically tried to get me, you know, fired. I um, ended up having a conversation with my HR director at that point and the owner of my company. And it was like at the end of that week and I wasn't even really told like why I was having, why I was being called into this, you know, meeting. And it was over the phone because I was remote. So it wasn't in person or anything, but I, um, you know, I got on and it was just kind of sprung on me. And then like they showed me these emails and whatnot. And, you know, it, it was like almost like that feeling of like getting called into the principal's office as a kid, you know, like, oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like what is going on here? And so at that point, you're fitting in a lot of people went through this. A ton of people over the, you know, the past few years, not only being faced with all the mask stuff, but, but with the vaccine stuff. I knew at that point that the mask stuff was leading up to the vaccine stuff. It was just priming people. It was, that's all it was. It was a part of that, you know, strategy to kind of break people down and, you know, find out, like, what are you, what are you willing to sacrifice, you know, or not, you know, so you had to make that decision. And a lot of people in their, you know, and I don't want to say weakness, right? I mean, like, sure, like, you can say that, but people had valid reasons. There was, there were a lot, I've heard so many stories. I've heard so many stories about, you know, I'm one way, I'm one year away from my pension. I'm, you know, I have a whole family to provide for. I get it, you know, and I understood it. And I had a lot of compassion for those people, you know, but like my thing was always like, oh my gosh, like what's it worth to you? Like, you know, like the next generation is going to completely lose their freedom unless we stand up and stand strong. So, you know, I took that stance was like, I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that freedom. And preserving that freedom. And so, you know, I, I had told my boss and my HR director at that time um, during that meeting, you know, as they were kind of like fishing for me to be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, I won't do this anymore and kind of like back off. And I could feel the energy of the entire call, you know, and what was going on and what they were looking for. And I just, kind of paused at one point and I realized what was going on. And I was like, you, you need to understand something. I said, you know, the, the, you do not own me and I will always put my children before this job. This is just a job, you know, this is replaceable. My children, you know, their freedom, their future, that is not up for debate. And so you know, for me, 
it's interesting, you know, because these are like defining moments in your life, you know. And, um, you know, I kind of said that and I, I stood my ground and I drew my line. And they actually, to my surprise, I was like hurting my stomach during that time because I'm like, for sure, I'm losing my job. But I didn't actually lose my job at that point. And I think they, like, gained a kind of a level of respect for me. And, um, you know, they, you know, we reached an agreement where I would, you know, keep work separate from my personal stuff. But I, I had, you know, I let them know I'm going to continue to advocate for my kids. But that will not be something that I stop doing. So, you know, they were like, you know, okay, we understand. Like, we're not asking you to do that. And they kind of backed off. And, like, if you could just, like, kind of try to keep the work stuff separate from, you know, and if you could take the vibrant health off of your social media, that would be great. <laughs> so, you know, I did that. Um, but I continued to really make, you know, the advocacy and the freedom fighting a huge priority in my life at that point, you know? And so, you know, I continue to do that. We, by the end of that school year, we had um, probably, I would say almost 300 people at a school board meeting. So we, we worked, we built, you know, we promoted, I did a ton of, I mean, I would go, I would print out flyers and I would post them up all over the County and give them, you know, we would get our parent groups together like every other week and I'd give them out flower, flyers and I'd say, hey, go post these up everywhere. So we had people all over the county, you know, posting up flyers and like this kind of energy, what it did was it really spread, right? It was contagious. So um, what we were doing in Pinellas County, you know, spread to surrounding counties and I kind of documented that journey on social media and I shared on Instagram. I've got an Instagram page um, that grew really, really rapidly at that point because I had just been posting a lot of basic like health and wellness info before that and then I just started to post a lot of basic core values on freedom and on health and on faith and on family and all that stuff and I was really bold about it and it just grew and I documented that journey of like, hey, this is what we're doing. You know, we're going back. Our kids have gone back to school. Um, a lot of a lot of parents across the country, their children had not gone back to school, so they were home that whole year. A lot of them. Florida was one of the first states for our kids to actually go back, like right away. But they did the mask mandates, right? And so a lot of parents, you know, sent their kids to schools with these mask mandates, but they were still fighting. They were committed to fighting, and I was committed to fighting with them even though I had pulled my kids out of the public school system at that point, because there was no way that I was sending them in masks, I continued to fight with them, you know, because I did realize that that was something that I could do, you know, and I had sent my kids to a, I found a very small private school to send them to that was not masking the kids. My other option was going to be homeschooling them, but we did find this amazing school that was an extension of our values. And I'm like, so grateful for that. And, um, but you know, what we've seen, you know, as I was getting ready to homeschool, there's tons and tons of parents over the past few years that have started to homeschool. And we've seen like almost a return to tradition where there are more parents that are now homeschooling and wanting to homeschool and, you know, seeking like-minded groups of people to do community and do life with. 
and getting together and kind of creating co-ops and pods and getting creative because they realize they don't want their kids in this public school system anymore that is so systematically, you know, corrupt and biased, right? So, you know, that's, that's huge. And, and along with, like, the homeschooling, you're seeing, like, a rise in homesteading and homemaking and, like, a return to tradition, which I think is such a beautiful thing because that's where – actually, you know, we are closer to the way that we were designed to live, you know, and I'm big on that. I'm big on, like, that's, that's become a huge part of, like, my teaching is, like, kind of going back to our roots. That's yeah. Where we, that's where we were. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's where we were, we were healthier. That's where we were strong. We were stronger, you know, like, you know, and um, that's where the government doesn't have as much control over us. So <laughs> it's like people need to realize that people need to understand that you know so like taking and stepping into all of this convenience driven stuff and too much relying too much on these you know convenience options this stuff is prepping you and it's priming you you know so I'm I'm trying to teach women teach people teach families you know to go back how to go back to our roots how to take care of ourselves how to be more sovereign you know, how to step into that truly and fully and be more empowered and take ownership. So that's, like, really become a huge part of, you know, what I do. And I just do that, you know, multiple ways, especially, like, really in my community. I'm just very involved. I do lots of events. I have a um, pretty large uh, mom's group in area because I'm big on I'm big on like connecting local, right? And, you know, plugging into your community and your community resources and, um, you know, local people that are making, you know, food and growing food. And um, that's, that's where we should be headed, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, (laughs) that's, you know, that's, that's kind of what I, kind of what I do now you know and in addition to that I have a lot of fun making all of these awesome t-shirts with awesome you know messages on them um which just really inspire um people to critically think a little bit more deeply to do you know a little bit more um you know asking questions starting important conversations and going a little bit deeper than what's on the surface, you know? So that t-shirt before that I was talking about is critical thinking. Only you can prevent its extension. extension I can't talk. Extinction. extension. Yes. Yep. Yep. And it's got a cute little picture of a bear on it like that. Um, you know, back in the day when it was like only you can prevent forest fires with Smokey the bear. So it's kind of a play on that. It's pretty cute. But, yeah, I have a lot of fun doing these because I'm, I'm a really, you know, I'm kind of a creative person. And so I, I design all of these myself and I put them on different, you know, T-shirts and hoodies and hats. And I'm doing stickers now and I'm, I have a lot of fun with it. Um, but it just comes from, from, you know, passion and from wanting people to, de- um, you know, connect with each other. In back back to our roots, into our communities, you know, um, but but the right way, you know, like the way that our creator designed us to. So 
that's that's kind of you know what I'm passionate about. I've got like fear is a liar is one of the messages. Um, be strong and courageous. I actually came out with back in the you know the earlier days of this 2020 to 2021. There was um, you know immune system on masks off. Um, and I came up with one that's farms over pharma. Uh, super that's a good one. Was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, that's one of my. But super spreader was one of my favorites because I remember, you know, you guys remember we were all called super spreaders back in 2020, right? They came out with that term. So the media, you know, has all these terms that they're fed and they're supposed to, you know, spread this. Fear, right? And so you, you come up with the term super spreader. And that just gives people this idea that there are people, you know, all over the place that are just going to like make them sick, right? Which funny, I mean, I, this is another whole nother rabbit hole. I don't even necessarily believe in contagion. I think that contagion is kind of a myth in a lot of ways, and I'm more of a terrain theory kind of girl. So if you do your research on this, you've got germ theory and you've got terrain theory and you've got, um, you know, Pasteur and you've got Brichamp. So you've got two different sides there um, on the, you know, the, the scientists that back up this research. There's two completely different theories. So if you haven't looked into this, this is something that you need to do your research on. Um, There's a great book. It's called Contagion Myths by Dr. Thomas Cowan, and he explains the incredible history and science behind why we were conditioned to believe in contagion and how we were conditioned to believe in contagion and how it feeds off of the fear of each other. It's very intriguing, and, you know, I'm a big fan of kind of like teaching about this and planting seeds about that as well. Um, because so many people just cannot wrap their minds around it, you know, and, and whenever it, you can hear it in their language, whenever they're like, oh, I was around so-and-so and now I'm sick or, you know, I got this from or so-and-so gave this to me. It's like our language is it's written with it, you know, so it's very, very interesting. And I just, I, I personally am a believer in, you know, our terrain and also the environment, right? So it's not just like only when, you know, you don't take care of yourself or you're getting sick, but also there are environmental toxins that are, you know, often we're just, our, our water's polluted, um, you know, the chemtrails that are sprayed. I mean, there's just, there's just so much to go into there. Right. So another message on one of my, another one of my t-shirts is count chemicals, not calories, because it's just tuning into like what kind of toxins are in your environment. What do you have control over? What don't you have control over, right? So the things you don't have control over, don't let that fear eat you alive, but please do work on the things that you do have control over, you know, the food, the ingredients, you know, please do read your ingredients. Please do understand that when you go out to eat, what you are putting in your body may be, you know, destroying your organs little by little. So if you eat out, you know, several times a week, then um, do you know what the ingredients are in the food that you're eating? Typically not, right? So I encourage people to to do more cooking at home. Cooking at home, good home-cooked meals with fresh ingredients, that is by far one of the most important skills and, you know, things to have in your tool belt to be strong, to actually start to take your 
you know, your health back and be more empowered. I but think it's funny how many people don't know how to cook right now. It's wild. Wild. Do you know how popular, um, you know, uh, Uber Eats and um, yeah, what's the other I've one? I've never once done a DoorDash or a Grubhub, but then again, I need a cell phone for that, and I don't have that. Right, right. So, so that's, I'm, you know, I'm on the same, I'm on the same page. Say that again. Oh, I used to work night shift uh, about a year or so ago. I definitely have done that before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never, I don't have either, I don't have any of those apps. I don't have the DoorDash, the Grubhub, the Uber Eats, none of them. I've never done it. Um, I, you know, I, I, if we do go out to eat, we're really intentional about where we choose to go. And it's typically supporting like smaller local, locally owned restaurants that are, you know, that we trust. And um, we're not doing it that often. But this is this is one. I mean, like I, I talk about this often with people. If you have like a mystery inflammation in your body, or you've got really poor gut health, really poor immune health, you've got you know different um, you know symptoms that are constantly popping up. You really need to take a look at. And even if you don't think you're like, oh, I think I eat pretty healthy. Like, take a look at how much you're eating out. You know, that's a that's well. A I had to do a one. sugar detox yeah. by kind of by intervention earlier this year. So uh, yeah. I've been working on that. Yeah. It's it's tough. It's tough because you know what? Like our food, big food, right? They know what they're doing, and they create, um, you know, these additives that they put into our food that make us extremely addicted. Mm-hmm. And we just want to keep going back for more, and then we end up with. Um, really, really, you know, poor gut health, candida, parasites, all kinds of stuff going on inside of our bodies that we often just, you know, kind of live with, but we're not thriving. You know, we're just kind of like living with it. It's the norm now. Because who do you really know around you that's really healthy and really thriving? It's like rare these days. You know, it's pretty rare. I feel like, at least. Um, I don't know how how you guys feel. But, um, yeah, it's it's tough. It's tough. I mean, because you've got to work really hard. You've got to be super intentional. It's almost got to become, like, you know, like a side hustle, like, to, like, know and understand, like, your ingredients and what, you know, what kind of food to buy and what kind of food to not buy. And, you know, it's, it's not that hard and complicated, though, at the end of the day. It's, like, one of those things that I say, yeah. it's, like, shop the perimeter of the grocery store. If you have farmer's markets around you, go there. You know, stay away from the middle aisles with all of the packaged nonsense. I mean, I went to the grocery store today, and I literally only walked around the outside of the store. I went through the produce section, filled up my cart with a ton of that, um, got a few things from the um, dairy department, I guess you could say. Um, But I don't actually – we don't – our family does not eat – uh, mainstream dairy, because mainstream dairy is completely loaded with antibiotics and hormones, and it's just completely destroyed. Like, any anything that would be good for your gut is completely destroyed from that dairy that is in any, you know, grocery store for the most part. Now, other um, than grass-fed know, butter, I don't, I don't do dairy myself. 
Exactly, exactly. I mean, a lot of people, I don't know if you've gotten on board the raw milk train, but um, a lot of people are doing raw uh, milk. If I go to Utah, I can get that. But I, I, in Las Vegas, we don't really, I, I wouldn't yeah. say it's banned to have it, but you can't buy it anywhere. So we have to drive right. uh, two hours to go to Utah. Yeah, yeah. Here in my area, I'm in Pinellas County, Florida. It's right outside of Tampa. Um, we are, uh, we have a few little spots that are kind of like our little gems where, they, you know, they've got the raw milk. But, of course, you've got to play the game, and it's, like, not for human consumption, right, on the on the label. But everyone's, everyone knows where to go now, and they're buying it, and they're consuming it, and they are in really good health. You know, so you you you've got to ask those questions. So, um, just one of those things. But yeah, I mean, we do we do. Um, I do a lot of coconut milk stuff, and um, you know, we we stick to really like really good quality meat. My my husband, my son, they love to go fishing, so they'll fish and bring home fresh fish a lot. And like, you know, it's just is really important to understand that like your kitchen your home you know that's like a lot of where your your health care is starting and not even just the kitchen but like look at the home care products you're using look at your laundry detergent your um you know your soaps your cleaning products things and they're creating their own toxic environments in their homes and that's where they're living you know they're sleeping in it they're breathing it in constantly and so it's really hard to detox whenever you're constantly you know, exposing yourself to the same thing over and over. It's just kind of making you sick, you know? I just think it's hilarious yeah, that, that Bill Gates numbers. owns the farms that, that support McGMO getting their French fries. Exactly. But Bill Gates exactly. loves you. Right, right. I know, I know. So it's it's color and a number. Yeah. Yeah, I had... um. I had put up a post not too long ago, probably a few months ago, about the off-gassing process that the French fries um, had to do at one point. There's a claim that they don't do that anymore, but you never really know. I know um, mm. the, the, the pesticides that they were spraying on those potatoes were so heavy that no one could go near them um, for a certain amount of time. And they had to put them in a huge barn to off-gas them for a period of time before anyone could even go near them. Um, and then I put that up and I got fact checked. <laughs> well, you know, if you ever follow Dr. Sebi, Dr. Sebi says the purple potatoes are the only ones that are not poison. Yeah. Yeah. So I love Dr. Sebi. I'm a huge fan. And anytime, um, you know, I hear anyone talking about any major, uh, illnesses, um, I recommend, please, you know, check out the alkaline versus acidic list foods, please. You obviously are educated in this area and you know about it. That's awesome. You probably talk to your folks about it a lot here. I hope that's good because not enough people know about that at all. That is like completely hidden information from Dr. Sebi. So um, anytime you hear about it. I never even got into sweet potatoes, really. I know everybody loves those things except me. Yeah. So, what do you what's your what's your diet like? Curious. Um. Let's see. In the morning, I eat uh, zero sugar yogurt from uh, Too Good is the brand. So yeah. I, I eat yep. 
uh, and that's supposed to be for gut health. So I'll eat that with a piece of fruit, whether it's some berries or whether it's a guava or even a pear. I'll take something that's high in fiber. And then I'll, I'll have a fiber bar. And I only do the non-GMO stuff. And then at lunch, I might have like a turkey avocado wrap with uh, there's these fiber-filled non-GMO tortillas I, I use as wraps. And then at dinner, yeah. um, I, I could go all over the map. I'm not saying I, I'm perfectly non-GMO at dinner seven nights a week, but um, some days I eat garbage, but it, it's not. We don't allow high fructose corn syrup or MSG or yes. uh, aspartame or Splenda in the house. So as long as it doesn't fit under those categories uh, and it doesn't have the term bioengineered, yep. I'm willing to yep. look at it. That's, that, those are like the basic rules to live by, you know, that's really good. You know, I mean, that sounds awesome. And I think it's just, you know, we, we realizing that we cannot be a hundred percent perfect, especially living in this, you know, the world that we live in now, but, you can be intentional and you can live well and you can live better than 99% of other people. If you just pay attention, if you pay attention to your body under, like, you know, when you put things in that are good and know when you put things in that are not good, your body's going to reject it. It's going to tell you, but are you going to listen are not, and I think most people just don't know, don't listen. They don't. They they either don't understand, you know, or they just don't care. And I, I don't know. I like almost wish I knew like the percentages were. Like, <laughs> I want to go out and do one of those polls with people. Like, so do you just not care, or do you not know? Because I mean, I think I yeah, think so. For the for the most part, I gave up. I gave up pasta, rice, and bread. Although I, I do eat yeah. cauliflower rice, and if there's wild rice, I could be talked into that, but I don't eat any other rice. And the only breads I eat would be pumpernickel or sourdough. Yep, yep. We're all, we're like exclusively pretty much uh, sourdough people now, and we get that from our local place that also has like the raw milk and, you know, like yeah. all the. Pumpernickel's you know, my favorite though. I don't know if you've ever eaten that. I have, and I love pumpernickel, but I don't have like a good, um, a good like local source for that right now. I guess I could really make my own. And that's, that's kind of like little by little I'm teaching myself, you know, as I'm encouraging other people to go back to our roots. Right. It's like, okay, oh, why not make the bread? How far are you from Tampa? Or Spring Hill? Uh, about 40, so we're about 40 minutes from Tampa. Spring Hills, I think about 40, uh, 30 to 40 minutes, the opposite direction, north of us. All right. So uh, there's a place uh, that I recommend. They got a couple locations out there. Uh, they yeah. do have a New York-style bakery, and I, I have gotten pumpernickel there before. Have you heard of the yeah. Lucky Dill Deli? I have, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my have, my favorite spot in Tampa. I have I had no idea that they had um they have pump they have pumpernickel there. Oh yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's good to know. See, 
and I've been here for almost unless eight years. Unless they're out for that day, I can't guarantee they'll have it that specific day, but they had it when I was there. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good to know. I'll have to check that out. Definitely. Yeah, but don't let somebody 3,000 miles away from you tell you where to shop. No, I'm just going to check it out. I'm going to see because I know that place. I've heard of it. So I've just, um, you know, you kind of get, like, used to your little, like, routine of your super local stuff. And, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you just aren't aware, you know. So I, I, I love the awareness of, like, new options and new things. So that's great. But, yeah, guys, I, I really appreciate you uh, having me on tonight. So, um, oh, well, I'm glad to have had you. We've had you for like an hour now, so I don't know how long you were supposed yeah. to stay here. I, I, didn't, I didn't know you existed until the show. Yeah, well, I, I, um, I've, you know, kind of known um, Adrian for, I don't know, I guess, what, two, two years now, maybe? Yeah, I think about two or three. I think it was about uh, 2020. Maybe early 2019, but I think more 2020, early 2020, when we got connected on Facebook. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, just, you know, through basically like the freedom community. And, you know, I um, I have a lot of respect for what she does. And, and you know, I really, um, I love, you know, connecting with other people on these on these topics and having these conversations, you know. There's always something to learn. There's always there's just so many ways that we can all be you know learning and growing and so I'm all about it. I love the conversations and you know I love planting the seeds that I do with the t-shirts and everything too. It's just so cool to be able to go to and do a lot of local community events and I I um you know take them with me and and people are you know, super encouraged really often to like see it you know and um and you know people like people want to they want to have these conversations they want to wear the messages because they do have these values but i think a lot of people are afraid to just be vocal and talk about things you know there was a woman the other day that i met and she was asking i was at an event and she was asking oh is this political and i'm like well i mean what is everything anymore at this point like i mean you talk about the weather the weather's political. So, I mean, literally, like, do you care about anything? Let's talk about that. It could be political. You know what I mean? So, if you have values, you could be political. Yeah, creating that dialogue. Wild, you know? hmm? Yeah, creating that I'm dialogue the- there. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I didn't hear the connection a little bit there. But um yeah, the dialogue exactly the dialogue, you know. So but that's just one that's my one of my favorite things to do is just like ask people questions and just get their wheels spinning a little bit. It's like, Oh, okay. You know, and you look at social media for example and like it's just destroying people's brains. And Hey, let me let me ask you this here, uh, Deborah. Are you able to stay yeah. for like three minutes? I, I just want to vacate the premises for a quick second before you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll be right back. I promise. All right. But you two have at it. Yep. So, yeah. Um, yeah. What was I just getting ready to say before he left? Wait. <laughs> remember we were talking about um, connecting with like-minded people yes yeah yeah social media so social media has made it just 
you know, um, so incredibly difficult for people to, I think, have their own thoughts anymore, right? Um, yeah. Because you're so inundated with other people's Echo chambers. And, and, yeah, yeah, exactly, constantly, constantly. And uh, also, on top of that, it's just, like, nonstop. If you're not looking at that kind of stuff, the other content is just pure, you know, entertain. it's entertainment that is designed to get you to kind of just zone out and distract you from the more important things. So, you know, it's either, like, enraging you or distracting you, (laughs) you know, but it's basically created, like, social media is really just created to dysregulate people, which, you know, if they can get your your nervous system dysregulated and off constantly, then that's creating an individual who is further and further away from, from good health. So it's, like all, it's all really tied together because, you know, Bruce Lipton, one of my favorite books is The Biology of Belief. Um, Bruce Lipton is the author. He's, he goes into a lot of the science of epigenetics. And, you know, I highly recommend that book as well. Um, you know, he, he speaks about how, you know, 90% of illness is created by stress by fear, you know, held in the body. And most people don't realize that. They don't realize how powerful the mind is, how powerful the belief system actually is. Yes. You know. Epigenetics is a very interesting concept. There's a lot going on there. Oh yeah, a ton. I, I first, you know, heard about that, um, I don't know. I think it was Mark Hyman, Dr. Mark Hyman, um, probably, I don't know, eight years ago, maybe. Um, you know, before I'm that. I'm familiar with him I, as well. Dr. Bruce Lipton is where I first heard about it. So Mark Hyman, he's, you know, uh, with the Cleveland Clinic um, majorly, and he's really – I felt to be, you know, he used to be someone that I looked up to a lot when it came to preventative health and whatnot because he spoke a lot on just with the basics and, like, kind of getting back to, you know, what I was mentioning, like, kind of getting back to our roots, like, the basic stuff when it comes to health. And um, then he went in 2020 and he was all on board the uh, the entire, you know, I wouldn't say 100% on board the fear train, but, you know, kind of promoted it a little bit because he was, you know, was not speaking up against, you know, vaccines and masks and whatnot. But, um, and that, that's obviously disappointing. But, um, you know, it's it, he's done a lot of good education, too. So it's hard. It's, t- it's tough because there are people out there like that. That it's like, man, you don't want to, like, completely discount them, you know? Um but people just didn't stand up. And I, and I look at him and someone like him and I'm like, well, he probably didn't want to lose his job. <laughs> There's a lot well, of people. I've never like once that. worn a scam myself. So I, I, I don't plan on, on, uh, on doing so at this time at all. Say that, um, say that again. I, I said, I've never once worn a scam and don't ever intend to. 
Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, there was um, one of, oh, my gosh, one of my favorite shirts I ever made. I'm going to try to see if I still have it on my website here. It's um, it's masks. It's, a, it's one specifically that I'd come up with for uh, masks. I'm going to see if it's still on here, masks. Well, yeah, it's on here. Okay. So, yeah, this was um, masks that do work as a manipulation tool, as a control tactic, as a dehumanization strategy, as a division scheme, and as an illusion of safety. And I remember I, I created that back in, like, late 2020, I believe, and I put it out there, and I started seeing that go viral, like, all over the place. I remember seeing certain people like putting it on cards and I would find it like all over the place. It was pretty cool. It's really cool to see that, but it just goes to show like, you know, how powerful it is when you, when you just, you're standing up for something, you know, you start to create um, tools, seeds, you know, planting that kind of stuff out there, you know, how far it can go. I now put on my um, cards, on the back of my cards that I send out with all of my orders and I give out at events, I put the, uh, the, the graphic with the vaccine schedule, how it's increased over the years, you know, so that I can show people visually that we're looking at, you know, a history of vaccines and the way that that's, that's all increased over the years. And along with that, the, you know, a lot of the issues with our, our children have, obviously increased as far as health goes and obviously the autism you know issues have increased and you know um you just got to get people asking questions and it starts with like little things like that you know you know asking people and talking about oh my gosh do you know that in 1986 you know manufacturer liability was removed and you know these companies can't be held accountable at all most people don't know that. Most people don't have a clue. You know, because why would you? This stuff has all been buried. And then the people that have spoken up against it have been gaslit and made to be dangerous, you know, and, um, you know, all the names in the book. They've been blocked and, you know, like taken out in a lot of different ways you know, bigger people that have spoken up about this kind of stuff, you know, so really just like completely sad to see, but I also believe that, you know, the the awakening has already begun, and so there are more and more and more of us speaking up, and people are waking up by the day, so that's really cool. Yeah, my only thing is that I'm just worried that, uh, is it too late? Can enough people right. wake up in a year? And I don't know the answer to that. As much as I'd like to say yes, uh, I can't. I can't verify that. Right. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, and it's valid. Totally valid. You know. Um, I just. I, I guess we all have a choice to make, right? We can. We can believe and have hope, or we can believe that it's too late. <laughs> 
you know. Well, obviously, I'm going to keep trying to wake people up. I'm just saying that yeah. it's uh, we we might be we might uh, we might have too little too late here. Um, but I I believe I there's a I don't know if you've you've read the Bruce Lipton book, The Biology of Belief. I just brought it up. I think when you were when you stepped out, but. That's one that I absolutely, that was a game changer for me on um, the power of belief system. And I think, you know, you know, our belief systems are so incredibly powerful and our energy and our thoughts, everything in our minds are, is so powerful. You know, that the people that have created all this strategy to, you know, push all this fear, they know that. And they also know how to get in there and how to create you know, a really negative energy system and really drag people down. And um, I personally, you know, I, I am all about the awareness, but at the end of the day, I'm still going to choose to keep putting my energy into a place of hope and a place of faith and a place ultimately of just believing in, in the good and that the good will conquer and, and that's, you know, we all have that choice. And I think it's so important to recognize that, you know. I actually have a tattoo on my arm. It says faith, hope, and love. And that's kind of like something that I just, that's, that's what I live by, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of darkness in the world, a ton of it. And we could talk about it all day, <laughs> all day, all night. But at the end of the day, it's really, really important to come back to the choice that we do get to be the light and that we should be more of what we want to see in the world. Change, and it creates a ripple effect, without a doubt. So on that note, (laughs) I think I'll probably wrap it up and let you all go. Okay. Sounds good. So, uh, Adrian, you'll have to hook me up with uh, with Deborah. Yeah, absolutely. And her website is mindbodyblend.com. Check it out. She's got some cool merchandise on there. Yep. Thank you all so much. I appreciate the conversation tonight and just kind of being able to plant some seeds. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Glad you could make it. All right, y'all have a good rest of your evening. You as well, Deborah. Thank you. Thanks. Good night. Good night. Hey, Bruce, how you doing over there? Thank you for bringing a guest in. Yeah, absolutely. Deborah's a rock star. All right, so what do we feel like getting into here? Well... That was good, and uh, hopefully we'll see a lot more local organizations, regular people just getting together to make a difference and rebuild a community in the United States. And maybe in the next couple weeks we'll have another speaker, um, another small business owner that will be able to talk to us about some mushroom-related topics. Okay. Some lion's mane, stuff like that. Good okay. stuff. 
You can always talk about that in turkey tales and whatever else you come across. Yeah, you know, I did it. I don't know a lot about it still. I know that I had this little drink, and I think it had reshi. That's how you say it. And I think lion's mane in it. And it's pretty interesting how it made the brain feel. Um, here that those things are super good for your brain, like a superfood. Oh. All right, so let's see what uh, what do I have that I feel like getting into here. All right, I didn't upload anything really yesterday. Um, let's see what we have here. I did want to listen to to this Russell Brand clip. It's like 15 minutes up. So I'm going to go ahead now, if that's all right. Yeah, whenever you're ready. All right. I'll hook it up. So this one says Obama did what by Russell Brand. Tucker Carlson's interview regarding Barack Obama shows we live in a truly divided new space. But when analyzing the record of former presidents, what should we be looking at? Their private lives or their record in office? Hello there, you 6.5 million Awakening Wonders. Thanks for joining me on this voyage through truth and freedom. You'll be aware of the viral video that Tucker did recently. Let me know in the comments if you saw it, if you care about it, if it was interesting to you. Some people thought it was good, other people thought it shouldn't have been made because it's too salacious and it's an unreliable witness. Where do you stand on that subject? What we would like to offer you is that Barack Obama is still being used as a kind of hero in the Democrat Party movement, when perhaps there's a strong argument that he could be regarded, and I don't use this phrase lightly, as a war criminal, that his actions were criminal literally under the Geneva Convention, that children died as a result of his decisions and actions, that drone strikes were undertaken, and activities that if we thought they were being done by Korea or Syria or Russia, we would be outraged by and be personally willing to put on the camo and go to war ourselves for. So let's have a look at what everyone else is talking about at the moment before analysing the reality of Barack Obama's record as a president. You're just a guy who's in town for the night, and it sounds like you're looking to party. Yeah. Pulled up in a bar outside, and there's this guy that's introduced to me as Barack Obama. I suppose all of us are interested in the private lives of great figures and the idea that there might be more to them than meets the eye. And with such a significant and noble president as Barack Obama, it's just extraordinary, salacious, intriguing to even hear about him spoken of in this kind of context. Certainly, there's a conversation to be had. Ex-owner Elon Musk called out Tucker Carlson for not providing objective evidence in allowing a convicted fraudster to claim he had sex with Barack Obama on the tech mogul's social media platform. Assess for yourself, Carlson captioned the video, which has amassed nearly 40 million views as of Thursday. This is further evidence of a completely bifurcated new space with independent media on the rise, the previously unprecedented possibility that a story like this could be broadcast on this scale. And for us, also an opportunity to look at the greatness of Barack Obama and the idea that Barack Obama is still a figure that will be trotted out in order to maintain Biden's credibility as a president. Now, the reason that Barack Obama remains a significant political figure is precisely because Joe Biden is observably in decline. And associating him with Barack Obama is still a powerful boost to his image as a senescent occupant of the White House. But are people who deify Barack Obama overlooking some pretty crucial facts about his time in office, putting aside this viral video? Let's have a look. Now, as I've told you loads of times, I was super optimistic when Barack Obama came into office, but perhaps the 
defining aspect of his time in office was the financial crash of 2008. This was a seismic moment, not only for the presidency of Barack Obama, but for the world. In my view, we are still reeling from the consequences of that financial cataclysm, and it was an opportunity to reapportion wealth and reestablish the power of ordinary people versus corporate financial and globalist interests. But what actually happened in 2008? So let's have a look at a few bullet points of Barack Obama's time in office. He bailed out the banks in 2008 instead of, of course, bailing out ordinary people. He prosecuted more people under the Espionage Act than all previous presidents combined, and that's essentially silencing Americans who criticize American foreign policy or American deep state, notably Julian Assange, Edward Snowden, both prosecuted under the Espionage Act. But perhaps most significantly of all, there were 10 times more airstrikes in the covert war on terror during President Barack Obama's presidency than under his predecessor, George W. Bush. Obviously because of Iraq, we all think of George W. Bush and Dick Cheney and Wolfowitz and Rumsfeld, whose names are synonymous with war undertaken for profit to capture resources, a war that was delegitimized by the failure to find WMDs. And to imagine that Barack Obama conducted more covert airstrikes than that administration is surprising and still feels at odds with how we perceive Barack Obama. During his presidency, Obama approved the use of 563 drone strikes that killed approximately 3,797 people. In fact, Obama authorized 54 drone strikes alone in Pakistan during his first year in office. One of the first CIA drone strikes under President Obama was at a funeral, murdering as many as 41 Pakistani civilians. That's extraordinary because at that point, we were still in the euphoria of the election of Barack Obama, truly believing this was an opportunity for hope and change. We had not yet had our expectations damped down by the events of 2008 and the revelation that it doesn't really matter who you vote for. You are primarily going to get a system that serves corporate interests, financial interests, military, industrial, complex interests. But to know that still in that euphoric honeymoon period, 41 innocent people were murdered as a result of Barack Obama's decision shows you that really we were in a kind of dream, in a kind of delusion. It was business as usual. The deep state were able to conduct the kind of operations that they typically conduct. The military industrial complex asserted the control that they're always able to assert. Nothing really significantly changed. Like Joe Biden told a room full of donors, nothing will essentially change. This I think is the thing we have to remember most of all. We get caught up in the soap opera of these characters and really the interest that they truly represent are uninterrupted by the democratic fluctuations in which we participate or don't. Let me know in the comments if you agree. The following year, Obama led 128 CIA drone strikes in Pakistan that killed at least 89 civilians. Just two years into his presidency, it was clear that the hope that President Obama offered during his 2008 campaign could not escape US imperialism. What I kind of like about that sentence is the indication that there's no point blaming Barack Obama, that Barack Obama essentially is just on the conveyor belt of visual distraction that we temporarily are enamored of while real power carries on behind the scenes. Let me know if you agree. The drone operations extended to Somalia and Yemen in 2010 and 2011, resulting in more destructive results. Under the belief that they were targeting Al-Qaeda, President Obama's first strike on Yemen killed 55 people, including 21 children. Inconceivable. Really important news. The sort of thing that we should be aware of. The kind of things that just sort of brushed over. Much more important than anybody's private life. 21 children were murdered. And yet we think because, oh, this happened in Pakistan, or it's just somehow we package it off as necessary and ultimately kind of irrelevant, don't we, if we're honest? Now, here's a short commercial from one of our bold partners, Winning Tobacco. Stay to the end, I'll make it funny. Thank you. 
With so many important things to talk about, you don't want me nagging you about your diet, particularly when I don't eat that healthy, not all the time. But I will share with you that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure and cholesterol, eat, as you know, five servings of fruits and vegetables every day, not lab-grown fruits either. I don't do that, and you won't do it either. You're too busy thinking and worrying about conspiracy theories, aren't you? That's why I take Field of Greens. Each fruit and vegetable in Field of Greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like hearts, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here. There's a couple of ways you could deal with that. But I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy throughout the whole flu season. And it's my choice if I drink Field of Greens or not. Field of Greens works fast. You'll feel better with more energy. You'll notice your skin, your hair, your nails look healthier too. If you don't always eat right because of time and you don't always exercise because you're lazy, join me and take Field of Greens. I'm getting started, right, with 15% off your first order. All you have to do is visit BrickHouseRussell.com and use the promo code BRAND. That's BrickHouseRussell.com promo code brand now let's get back to this rather devastating and difficult news 10 of which were under the age of five additionally 12 women five of them pregnant were also among those who were murdered in the strike these blundered acts of murder by not only president obama but the u.s government are morally reprehensible i suppose this is the kind of information that we have to bear in mind when we look at the accepted stance with the current war between ukraine and russia that america's role is to back brave ukraine and ukraine are brave for moral reasons for humanitarian reasons how can that be the case when a president still regarded as a hero participated in the murder of women and children? This is beyond the culpability of individuals like Barack Obama. He becomes, I have to say, kind of irrelevant because the momentum of this system is so potent and powerful that even dead children are just regarded as almost irrelevant shrapnel and collateral damage in the operations of this unforgiving system. How can we begin to believe that any war that America backs is just? Even more civilian casualties came out of Afghanistan throughout Barack Obama's time in office. In 2014, Obama began removing troops currently deployed in the country. However, instead of this action by the president being one in pursuit of peace and stability in the region, it only acted as an opportunity to drastically increase air warfare. Afghanistan had war rained upon them by US bombardment, with the administration viciously dropping 1,337 weapons on Afghanistan in 2016. In total that year, the Obama administration dropped 26,171 bombs, drone or otherwise across seven countries, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Yemen, Somalia, and Pakistan. The US, in cooperation with its allies, including the Afghan government, killed 582 civilians on average annually from 2007 to 2016. Most people's perception of Barack Obama does not include statistics like that. If we imagine for a while that Russia were conducting those kind of military activities, and as far as I know, they are. Certainly, they are currently being vilified for their criminal invasion of Ukraine, and no one is countenancing that point. Many of us try to explain the recent history, and indeed 20th century history, that possibly contributed to the current conflict and the way that American interests benefit. But this kind of, if not egregious, then certainly profligate bombing of a variety of countries under one of the most sort of popular and least controversial presidents. I know a lot of you guys don't like Barack Obama because Democrats and like because of your kind of political persuasion. But broadly speaking, Barack Obama is like now a sort of celebrity, isn't he? Like he's Netflix shows and that kind of thing. And when you see him on stuff, he's cool and chatty. But this is a piece of reality that many of us are not willing to countenance, a reality that really we should be looking at and addressing. With the exception of the wars themselves, the claim that former President Barack Obama is a war criminal also lies within the Double Tap Initiative. Double Tap drone strikes are as disturbing as they sound. These attacks are follow-up strikes 
airstrikes on first responders as they rush to the bombed area trying to assist any survivors. That's a level of mendacity that's difficult to incorporate into the image of Barack Obama as a hero that's brought on to make Joe Biden more electable. Isn't that kind of information enough to help us to revise our system, to recognize that what's required is radical change, that the distinctions between the two parties and successive presidents isn't significant enough? If this is the kind of thing that's deemed acceptable business as usual, surely business as usual is precisely what needs addressing. In 2012, an attack on the Shawal Valley aimed at Taliban commander Sadiq Nur reportedly killed up to 14 people in a double-tap drone strike. These attacks are both morally and legally reprehensible as they are conscious acts of murder against civilians, which is, again, this from any other entity would be used as legitimization to criminalize an entire state, wouldn't it? If someone came out behind a podium, you know, with the Stars and Stripes and the Eagle and everything, they'd listen, guess what they're doing in Syria or Iraq or Russia? They do this thing called double tap strikes. They actually bomb an area and then when the first responders come to help the victims, many of whom are children under five and pregnant women, they bomb them as well. You go, well, actually, I'm willing to participate in a war against them. My, give us the stuff. I'll go. I'll go. That needs to be stopped. Oh, you don't need to go anywhere because it's happening here. And in fact, the person that's making those decisions is being sold to you as a hero. And again, I'm not naive enough to suggest that Barack Obama is somehow the generator of that kind of malevolence. He's rather just a temporary occupant of an office that demands that in order to support the interests that truly run America. That's what we're saying again and again on this channel. We are presented with spectacle. We are presented with distraction. The price of even our inhibited freedom is a machine that murders children and says there's nothing wrong with it. A machine that sells us poisoned food and tells us there's nothing wrong with it. That props up pharmaceutical industries and energy industries that couldn't operate under their own financial capital but require your taxpayer dollars to subsidize and fund them and tell us that there's nothing wrong with it. There are so many more questions that require asking before blithely accepting some of these people as heroes. Drone strikes conducted by the United States during a five-month-long campaign in Afghanistan caused the deaths of unintended targets nearly nine out of ten times, leaked intelligence documents suggest. Nine out of ten times, most of the time, should probably not happen. Not a reliable model, is it? In my recent conversation with Sam Harris, when he talks about terrorists and their potential ecstatic state when conducting jihad, is a kind of fetishization of the presumed evil of religious ideology. But secularism leads to murder of this nature, just under the cold, rational dispatch, collateral damage, no, no, no funeral, no need for redemption, culpability or explanation. So the idea that some types of violence are worse than others is one that has to be resolved. And of course, Daniel Howell, the whistleblower who revealed that information is celebrated as a hero around the world in prison under the Espionage Act that Barack Obama used more than any other president in history. These drone strikes make a strong case for categorizing Obama as an international war criminal. The 1949 Geneva Conventions ratified by the United Nations explicitly provides protections for not only the wounded, but also for medical and religious personnel, medical units, and medical transports. Article 8 of the Rome Statute of the International Criminal Court states that internationally directing attacks against personnel, installations, material units, or vehicles involved in humanitarian assistance or peacekeeping missions in accordance with the Charter of the United Nations is classified as a war crime. These classifications, these words, they're meant to mean something. You know, of course, that America could not appeal to the International Criminal Court to condemn the actions of Russia in Ukraine because they would know that they'd begin a conversation where they'd have to say, we have done the same, we have done worse. This is the truth of American foreign policy, the influence of the military industrial complex and the set of interests that the American government truly represents. This is the truth of a hero, albeit a partisan hero like Barack Obama, that they represent those kind of interests. That if we were to obey the Geneva Convention, which obviously we're just going to ignore, then you'd have to say, no, Barack Obama, look, is 
just literally a war criminal according to that definition. So you just have to dispatch with that definition in order to maintain the heroic status of Barack Obama, which people are willing to do. No one is willing to look at reality. We're not willing to say, well, look, this is the cost of these systems. It's not benefiting you. You're not benefiting from that. These people are not a threat to you. You have to be convinced that they're a threat to you in order to facilitate that. Whose interests are ultimately advanced by that kind of bombing, by that kind of murder of children? Let me know in the chat and comments. The law also states intentionally launching attack in the knowledge that such attack will cause incidental loss of life or injury to civilians also constitutes war crimes for the guilty party. Through the drone strike program and double tap attacks, there's no question that former President Obama and his administration violated international humanitarian law. Obama's symbolic significance cannot outshine his relationship with the imperial endeavors of the American empire. And yet it seems to the Democratic Party they do exactly that. Barack Obama is still regarded as a hero. In order for him to be regarded as a hero, you have to just wipe away the Geneva Convention. You have to completely ignore the murder of children. You have to do that. It's impossible, isn't it, to combine those facts. And even if you put aside the idea that Obama is somehow personally culpable, although, you know, evidently he was the president, I don't know how much higher up the chain you would need to get, you have to accept that the system itself is in need of radical re-evaluation. And these are the kind of things that should be at the forefront of our mind. And this is what we should be demanding of any democracy, or indeed any nation, worthy of the name. But that's just what I think. Why don't you let me know what you think in the chat? If you like this video, have a look at either of these. Turn on the notification bell and subscribe. But more important than that, if you can, please stay free. Sorry, I'm talking through my mute button here. All good. I'm yeah, that's a very tragic what's happening in Yemen. About nine years now, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the worst uh, humanitarian crises currently, right? I, I just... Uh... See, what gets me, too, speaking of Middle East-type stuff, is did you see yesterday on 9-11, Brandon gave Iran $6 billion? Now, I got to be honest, on 9-11, that's one of those days, you know, that I kind of just avoid uh, social media. For uh... well, Anyway, Brandon on 9-11 gave Iran $6 billion in exchange wow. for for uh, prisoner swaps. Like our troops or ambassadors or? Uh, who knows? Uh, Six billion and then we traded political or, or uh, I don't know. They, they could get somebody from us and then we give them five of their people or something. Who knows? But yeah, nothing like our taxpayer money going over to Iran on 9-11 to give to people that are involved in in terrorism type activities that's just what we need oh you know proof uh i saw about three days ago i think it was a news video that had been released eight days prior to when i saw it so about like a little less than two weeks ago i saw where uh the biden administration was sending about five thousand of our soldiers over to Latvia. Latvia, okay, yes. Yeah, I'm not sure if you saw anything about that or if you were tracking on that, but saw they're sending about 5,000 of them 
you know, when they were actually also saying uh, the soldiers' names uh, out loud uh, on the film that was released, and I think that's kind of a security threat. I don't really know when we ever do that, but, you know, what is this administration really doing is the question. Right. Yeah, but they they prey on the fact that the average person doesn't pay attention to them, so they do whatever. True. But we'll see how far the impeachment stuff goes, though. I, I don't know how far it will go because I don't think I don't think it will get anywhere in the Senate, to be honest. But that that's okay because people need to see that. I'm actually not up to date on the impeachment charges there for Biden. What are they uh, What are they trying to do there? What are the charges? Uh, just about the shell companies that Brandon has and how he's peddling money and receiving money for influence and his whole thing in the Ukraine with the uh, the billion dollars and the and the guy that was investigated Hunter gets fired for Burisma type stuff among other odds and ends because Brandon's just taking money left and right from all these other countries and then Brandon has all these all these pseudonym emails that he conducts business with so the, I think the goal is that they they really would like to replace Brandon and they were hoping to go to gruesome or Michael Robinson Obama, who's a very nice lady, but uh, I don't know whichever one of them they want to use. Because Big Mike doesn't want the job. That That's the thing. Yeah, I mean, seems, to me, it seems like a lot of smoke screens, you know, a lot of political theater, distraction. So what did you see about uh, New Mexico with their governor trying to ban guns? Because uh, they said there's there's too many gun crimes, so now we have to ban guns. And everybody is laughing at, uh, at this governor in New Mexico. Oh, yeah. They're talking about temporary, quote, temporary gun bans. Yeah. How temporary are those? How temporary are those temporary gun bans? Well, until only the criminals have the guns, then it'll be okay. So you have all yeah, these I huge anti-gun grab, the the gun grabbing crowd. They're even mocking the New Mexico governor because even they said she went too far. Yeah, I was about to say, actually, Proof, uh, good to see that there is some uh, bipartisan pushback and backlash from that, surprisingly, for that gun ban. So uh, I 
Uh, there's people asking for her to resign. I don't think she's going to resign. She's actually doubling down personally, but everybody is uh, everybody's on her. Yeah, I heard there was a lot of uh, pushback, bipartisan, and also with local law enforcement, so that's good. So how about this? The mayor, the Democrat mayor of Burbank, California, recently uh, did a drag queen story time, and he got spanked by a drag queen at a fundraiser event for, for kids Excuse at a drag me? queen story time show. Is yes. anyone demanding a statement on this or an explanation, anything? You are? Is that what you said? Is No, is anyone in the community, parents, is anyone demanding an explanation? Well, it's nationwide news, so uh, it is possible. So he's uh, he says he's a devout Marxist, and he wants to abolish the police, not even defund, but he wants no police in his city. Police abolish. are racist. We well, you know they have a something called the Strong Cities Initiative. That is a uh, Mm-hmm. Smart city, smart growth initiative. The strong cities initiative, strong communities. They want to quote strengthen neighborhoods, cities. Yeah, he's he's trying to say that Marxists are all about freedom. That, that's like the opposite of freedom. He says under yes. Marxism, you could become your own boss as a democratic socialist. Uh, I don't ever see that happening. How do you become your own boss when your your every move is micromanaged? Well, that's all the resilient community, strong cities network is about is uh... – creating and designing, quote, community-based approaches to address violent extremism. And And by extremism, though, those are people that don't want to give up their gas stoves and they use their air conditioners. That's extremism. Yes, and people that refuse medical procedures that list death as a side effect, yeah. Yes, uh, and they don't want their kids to have their genitals removed. That's an extremist. Very wild times. Yeah, 25 years ago, it would be basically what we would consider normal. But when they know that uh, when their community is, is that Democrat, they know that they can move the needle as far left as they want. And it will force everybody to say, oh, I'm liberal. I believe in this now. As a liberal, you have to keep your, your head on, on an Etch-A-Sketch. 
because everything you believe in could be changed at a moment's notice and you have to go with it or else you're not a democratic socialist anymore. Yeah, they say they want to promote openness, vigilance, social justice. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know if there's a lot of people that live in Phoenix that are democratic socialists and they want to ban their air conditioners in the summer. I I don't know those people. Yeah, you know, air conditioners are not sustainable proof. No, no, I I, I know that's what the, the liberals tell you. And I'm a very devout air conditioner user in, in Las Vegas. So uh, I don't know how many people there are that adamantly refuse to use their air conditioner when it's 116 out. I don't know people that, that refuse to use ceiling fans. I don't know people that, that still wash clothes in a bucket because uh, because washing machines use too much electricity. I don't know those people. But uh, allegedly they exist. If you meet somebody, some liberal in Boston, when it's negative six out, and they tell you that heating up your home is racist, and they sit there, and uh, and just live in the cold in their own house when they can easily turn an air conditioner on and they're so liberal that they'd rather freeze their kumquats off than have at it, but I don't know those people. Yeah. Air conditioners, meat consumption, Dams and reservoirs, cattle grazing, these are all things that have been deemed unsustainable. Well, I'll tell you what's unsustainable, liberalism. Liberalism is non-sustainable. When they talk about banning trees and putting the wood underneath the ground so that, so that it can't suck up carbon, then, uh, yeah, these people have problems. When these people tell you, just like I put in that video, the, the broccoli man, they, there are people that say they're inventing machines that could suck up the carbon out of the world and turn it back into air. And it's like, well, you could just tell everybody to plant a tree. Yeah. That's exactly what a tree does, but nobody wants to hear that. We could all just put apple trees in our front yard. Everybody would be happy on multiple levels. Yeah, there's a lot of things that could be done that are actually sustainable, productive, and not, you know, tyrannical. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, these liberals don't practice what they preach. They they want you to live under this weird stuff that they don't want to live under. Something tells me the world does not want to be forced into into becoming vegans. Even people that are yeah, vegan don't want to you. force other people to be vegan. Yeah, you know, I actually tried a uh, smoothie. I saw it. I was in Georgia, I believe, about two years ago, two summers ago, maybe. maybe actually, I think it was last summer, and the smoothie looked really good, and I got intrigued by the collagen peptide thing and it was supposed to be plant-based and I actually got very ill from it for about a day and a half I felt very ill uh, and had almost kind of like this hazy like brain fog type feeling afterwards the next day even after I you know it was out of my system I just felt a hazy fatigue brain fog feeling. I just know that uh, I'm not going to be any part of eating the bugs and owning the nothing. Oh, yeah. No, I say it all the time, Proof. I'm not going in the pod and I'm not eating the bugs. If you ask any of my close friends, that's my main go-to when I start going on these little tangents and stuff. Uh, That's the Mm -hmm. main point I have. I'm not going in the pod and I'm not eating the bugs. Have you met anybody yet that says they're going to eat the bugs? Because I haven't met anybody yet. No, I have not. Uh, I'm sure if I started asking people if they knew what certain ingredients are, they wouldn't know that that is bugs. I have seen that circulating around. I don't know enough about the names to inform listeners on what those names now on our food are that are actually Bugs like crickets, cricket powder, very disgusting. Yeah, I, I, I have, uh, I, my interest level is like an an introductory rate credit card, zero percent interest for the next five years. Oh, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be interested at all, actually. I uh, just don't think I could, uh, I don't think I could hang with that. Right. I don't think so either. So Dr. Fraudy today even admitted that, uh, that these COVID boosters do, uh, do hook people up with myocarditis, but you should still get it. Can you imagine that, that they, they tell you, well, there is a good chance it will kill you, but you should still get it. Oh, okay. People have, I think that so many people have tuned out of this. Uh, you know, some people have started questioning why young athletes are passing out on the field, dying suddenly. Um very interesting. 
Well, they really thought by now that they'd be able to get the the hype going about these new gene therapies, but there there ain't nobody interested. Yeah, I, uh, these people that rushed out and got it, you know, the Johnson and Johnson, the ones that started uh, being essentially recall. I just, I wonder how these people are feeling right now. You know, uh, very scared. They're very fearful, and they uh, just impulsively got it. You know, I've spoken with some people that they got their first dose and then they got very hesitant and they didn't get their second dose because they became very skeptical. Now well, they're, still very... trying to, they're still trying to sell you on uh, on getting a gene therapy, even though they, they tell you that you could die from it. I would just be very interested in taking the people, even the people that just got the first doses, you know, and seeing what the difference is in different things like their blood genome, um, gene sequencing, if that's possible, compared to those who did not rush out and get vaccinated and did not receive any of them. Well, I just have a feeling that they're not going to be able to sell very many of these. Yeah, I'm interested for what the fall is going to bring, what kind of uh, activity we're going to see. I just don't think that uh, the market's just not going to be there unless uh, unless they can make it mandatory. So that's their only hope. Which I don't know how many people are going to go out and run uh, run and go get it if it's mandatory. They'll get a few, but they they won't get the mass compliance that they thought that they would. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping that we'll have a lot more people significantly more suspicious of the same narrative and skeptical to believe that this is a thing again, you know, it's, uh, mm-hmm. if they pull the same thing. I honestly would kind of be surprised to see a lot of people complying. I do think people would go back to scam wearing, but I think that's as far as it would go. But hopefully there's enough people this time around that say no. Yeah, compliance. Compliance. I've said for a long time, people are not, they're not scared of the, of COVID. They're scared of, uh, of getting yelled at for not, not wearing one to go buy a sandwich. That's all they're scared about. 
Yeah, you know, you had those people that when you were one, I don't know if you experienced this, but, you know, when you're, I was in the post office one day and I wasn't wearing a mask and somebody was kind of looking at me, had it all halfway off face, was kind of playing around with it, and they just took it off and was like, man, basically, you know, I hate wearing these. And I was like, yeah, you don't have to wear it. I was like, just take it off. You don't have to wear it. And uh, mm. people will do that, you know, even just, you know, walking up to people that have it on and just saying, like, you know, or you, know, you don't even have to walk up to them directly. You can just pass by and be like, you know, in a very nice voice, you know, hey, you don't have to wear that. And some people will take it off. I just find it funny how many people still to this day, they'll put them on their chin and they'll just walk around like that all day long. Yeah, because it's about compliance, compliance over science. It's like, uh, I'm not going to wear the scam unless, but I'm going to keep it on my chin in case... In case somebody tells me to wear it, then I'll apologize and put it on. Yeah, it's like children being afraid to get in trouble. Yeah. All right, we got like less than five minutes left here. So um, you have anything else you want to go over today? Because I'll start wrapping this down. No, that's pretty much it. Hopefully we'll have a guest speaker soon that'll be talking to us about some mushrooms, uh, health, and maybe some stuff that's going on over in Washington State. Okay. All right, I'm just getting uh, getting ready to shut it down here. So I'll go ahead and play the outro music now. Thank you, Adrian, for being here tonight. Yeah, absolutely. We'll have you next week. So until next Tuesday. And everyone else, I will be back tomorrow. Please support the other shows on the network. It's not just the Proof Negative show here, but until tomorrow, hold on to the handrail. Keep hope alive. Remember, only you can prevent forest fires. I am proof negative and I am oops.